welcome to the Empathic Mastery Show. I'm your host, Jennifer Moore, and I'm so glad you're here. This is a place where we talk about what it means to be highly sensitive and empathic, how this impacts all aspects of our lives, and we explore tools, resources, and solutions so we can shift from absorbing all the thoughts, feelings, and energy of the world around us to being beacons for calm, love, and healing. Hey there, everybody. Today is a very special day and a very special episode. We are airing right before Halloween, Samhain, Day of the Dead of 2022. And I have a really special guest with me, Amy Gray Cunningham, and actually an extra special guest, Chuck, because we are going to be talking all about how love is stronger than death. That's why I use that title for this. Amy Gray Cunningham is an intuitive healer and an Akashic Records practitioner. Her mission is to help people fulfill their soul's purpose. She believes we are the creators of our own experiences. Therefore, we manifest the life we desire. On June 5th, 2021, the day after her oldest son's wedding, her love and partner, unexpectedly passed away. They were high school sweethearts and had dated for two years. 20 years later, they reunited and married on September 26, 2009, blending two incredible families. When Chuck passed away, he didn't believe in an afterlife. Well, (laughs) now he does. (laughs) He thought when you're dead, you're dead. But since then, he returned to tell Amy she was right. Heaven exists, and it's not as far away as you think. Chuck continues to amaze Amy with stories of the afterlife, and he sends her daily signs that he's right there with her. Over this past year, Amy had learned that their love never died when Chuck crossed, but now it's just different. They are learning to communicate in a new way, and each day is a miracle and a blessing. Since we are spiritual beings having a human experience, connecting with our loved ones in heaven is easy. It's like going home. We never forget from where we came. Chuck reminds Amy daily that life is to be lived fully without hesitation and with an open expectation of guidance from the other side. Oh, that just brings tears to my eyes, Amy. And I am so glad you're here. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And Chuck, welcome. He says, welcome. <laughs> yeah, I, hit, I could hear that sort of droll, sort of slightly, you know, deep Southern voice. Thank you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. 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 So, Amy, I mean, what a roller coaster. It's not like you sign up yes. for, you know, you meet the love of your life, you reunite with them after 20 years, and then, like, all of a sudden, <laughs> uh, on the day after your oldest son's wedding, they cross over. Yes. It was definitely unexpected. Um, It's interesting because I think back to when we met the very first time and both of us actually remember that meeting, that chance meeting. He, I was walking to the store with my brother and he pulled up in this Mustang and my brother and him were friends from high school. Well, they, they had the same homeroom class and my brother sat behind him in homeroom class. So that's the only way they knew each other. But he just knew, he said that he he was supposed to stop and pick me up. But it's like, 
Have you ever met anyone that when you met them, it's like you immediately knew who they were, their soul, and you were just immediately attracted? That's the way Mm -hmm. it was with us at that time. And then it was the same thing 20 years later when we met and the first time we saw each other, it was like we were home. And we got back together in January of 2009 and we were married in Mm. September of 2009. And he was the guy that I compared all other guys to, (laughs) Mm, mm -hmm. you know, but he is the definition of a soulmate and he's the Mm. other half, I think, of my soul. And we have had many, many lifetimes together and many separations and coming back together celebrations. So this is just another one of those. And it's interesting because... Like I said, he didn't believe necessarily in an afterlife. When he was alive, he had a lot of demons that he struggled with. There was a lot of um, turmoil. He was one of the first responders at the Charlotte Motor Speedway. He used to work out there, but there was 25 years ago Mm. or so, there was a 20 years. I I can't remember how long ago it was now, but there was a, a tire that flew off into the stands from one of the race cars. And it killed many people. And he was one of the first responders and saw the devastation that happened. And that always haunted him. And he also had a best friend in high school that uh, committed suicide. And he always felt like he should have known the signs and should have quote unquote, saved him. So he had a lot, like I said, a lot of demons. And then we lost his sister um, almost nine years ago now. And then we lost his mother two years after that. And then we lost his father two years after that. And then two years later, Chuck passed. So it was within an eight-year period, his entire nucleus family passed away. And he carried a lot of of guilt Mm -hmm. and remorse. And he never allowed the emotion, the grief to flow through him. He held on to it. And I think, to be totally honest with you, that's one He of died of a broken heart. Him. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. Literally. And I knew, it's very interesting, when I look back on it now, my spirit was giving me mm-hmm. signs that something was going to happen mm-hmm. and tear myself. I didn't realize it at the time. But there was people that my spirit told me to reach out to, thinking that I was helping them. And actually, they were there to help me. Mm -hmm. And he would say things sometimes like, I'm just really tired. I'm really, really tired. And he would look at me in this funny way. And I think it was his spirit telling me that it wasn't going to be too much longer. And I think he stayed around long enough because he had a job. And that job was he was going to officiate Ah. my son's wedding. And that was a big deal for him. Yeah. A big deal. And that week, what's interesting is I have a podcast, Butterfly Kisses, and I heard January of last year to start this podcast. And I'm like, okay, what do you want me to talk about? (laughs) All right, how do I do this? And so I I spent um, five months putting it together, researching it, designing it, you know, interviewing people to start off with. And and I heard in April, have it ready by May I'm 1st. just getting chills. Very clear, yeah, very clear, definite date of when it was supposed to be ready. And 
Chuck was a big supporter of the podcast. He didn't necessarily believe in everything I was talking about, but he always he always had my back no matter what it was I was doing. So I did as I was told, and then June 5th, he passed away. Mm. Um, and he has since yes. been my co-host on just yeah. about every episode, on all episodes of Butterfly Kisses, and he brings people to me. He brought you to me, and I think this is why, because he wanted to yeah. be able to tell his story your show. So I thank you for allowing yeah. us to do that. Yeah, he, and, uh, he, he was kind of like, hey, I got you the gig. Now you can give me the gig. <laughs> He's like, I, I did you the favor. Now it's your turn to return it. He was pretty clear this was supposed to happen. Yeah. <laughs> He's rather funny when, when he's got a very good sense of humor. He's always had a good sense of humor. And that's one thing about him yes. and I, is we could laugh. And even in spirit, he still makes me belly laugh. He's just like, sometimes I'll, yeah. I'll say something that's totally off the wall and stupid. And he's like, duh. <laughs> and I can hear the duh. Yeah. <laughs> and because uh, he was, I was always saying stupid things sometimes. And it just, it, I didn't mean to, it just right, came right. out that way. You know, so he yeah. always, he would always laugh at me. Yeah. My husband's version of that is there's a line from the David Lynch movie, Wild at Heart, where uh, Nicolas Cage is talking to Laura Dern's character. And uh, he just like, she says something particularly stupid. And he goes, peanut, the way your mind works is God's own private mystery, which is one of my absolute favorite lines ever. <laughs> but every so often, my husband will just look at me and he goes, peanut. <laughs> so I know if he crosses over before oh, I do no, that no. I will probably hear peanut a couple times just because. So yeah. there's private jokes between uh, people who've been to together for a long time. Yeah. Yes. It's so funny because life does not no, end it when the does not. body does. We carry on and I never really understood or knew that. I mean, I knew that in an abstract sense, but I didn't quite get mm-hmm. it or understand it. And since he's passed, I have lived more, uh, more intentionally because every day is definitely a gift and a miracle. And you just don't know when your soul is yeah. going to say, oh, it's time to come home. And, you know, we're here in this physical plane to experience life and to have mm-hmm, fun mm-hmm. and joy. And I, part of me, I mean, the human side of me still wishes that he was still here in physical form, that we still had, you know, 20 more years together that, cause that was the plan. And we were supposed to be old folks sitting out on the front porch, drinking our bourbon and sodas. <laughs> And just rocking back and forth and and just watching the the day go by and the people, you know, that was Mm -hmm. our happily ever after. And so when he passed, it was very unexpected. And when we got to the house that we were staying at, because my son got married up in Virginia and we had rented this Airbnb or whatever for the week. And when we got there, what was so cool is there was like an archway that led to the path to the front door. and. All around the archway were millions of butterflies, millions of butterflies. And all my life, butterflies have been a very important symbol for me. It was a symbol my father gave me when he passed away 18 years ago. And they just always seem to show up right when I need a butterfly. And so when we got there, Chuck and I just looked at each other and he's like, that's pretty cool. And I'm like, yeah, I was like, I wonder what this means, you know, but 
every morning, every day, there was all these million, I mean, just millions of butterflies. I, you couldn't even count how many butterflies there were. And the day that he passed, when I was leaving, I took note, there was not one wow. butterfly. Not one wow. butterfly. And I've asked my mom and my aunt, and they don't remember seeing butterflies. And my friend Dana, who brought me home that day, she doesn't remember mm -hmm. seeing butterflies. So there was not one butterfly. And to be totally honest with you, when, when I saw him out on the porch and I knew something was wrong, I honestly thought that we would go to the hospital and he was going to be better. I never thought that this was, how could it be the end? I mean, we, I right. just seen him upstairs and we were right. talking about going home and you know, how could that be? It just it never no. computed in my mind. If that well, makes and any I think sense. Part of the thing about death is that irony and a joke in some ways that we have these bodies that expire and yet our brains are kind of wired in a way that we cannot conceive of it. And that even though it's the one guarantee in life, we just, it does not mm -hmm. compute. And so I do, I, what you're saying makes complete sense to me because it's almost like until it occurs, it, it's as if it can't possibly occur. Yeah. And there's still times now, 15 months later, where I'm yeah. like, is this really real? Does, you know, it, right. he's going to walk through the door any moment. There's definitely moments like that. And the first six months, I would say I walked in a haze mm -hmm. just because, you know, I oh, came yeah. home and he wasn't with me. And walking, I'm going to tear up here in a minute, but walking through the door without him was the hardest thing I've ever done. But the cool part is now he, I yeah. mean, I hear him all the time and he's constantly here with me. And what he showed me was, I asked him, I was like, so what is our relationship going to look like now? You know, I mean, how do we continue being married? How do we continue having this relationship? And what I heard is mm -hmm. we're still one. Mm -hmm. We've always been one. We come from the same source. And just because he's not in physical form does not mean that he's not right. a part of my daily life. And I said, well, show me how, what do you mean? And what he showed me was in my last job, I traveled a lot and I enjoyed the travel, but the thing I enjoyed the most was when the plane landed and I could turn my phone on and text him, Hey babe, I'm home. You call you after I get in the car. So that was the best part of coming home was I came home and I saw all of Charlotte, all the cars moving around. And I just knew that he was there. It was a yes. given. I didn't have to second guess it. I just knew that when I texted him, yes. he was going to return the text. It's exact same way as it is in heaven. He says, just send me a text and just know and have that knowing that I'm going to answer. And I said, okay, but you know, you don't have a cell phone anymore. So how can you text me back? So he says, okay, well, let me give you another example. <laughs> He's yes. Really good yes. I love how concrete he is. He did he have so a background concrete. in engineering or something or he was a manager, but he was very eighth energy center, lots of wisdom, very, very grounded, grounded and he very loved. like he's a great teacher. Yeah. Yes. He loves to teach. And that was the one thing he did really well at work was he loved to teach. 
And that's when he had his groove going. But he and he loved it when people came to him for advice. The next thing that he showed me was in our house. Um, I had my she shed in the living room and, you know, where I'd watch TV. And then he sat in the den and there was just this wall Mm -hmm. between us and it was open. So there was plenty of arguments going on where I'm like, honey, turn your TV down. No, you turn your TV down. (laughs) I can't hear over your TV. (laughs) So, so he said, Amy, it's just the same way. He said, I am Mm -hmm. still, I'm just in the living room. Mm -hmm. I'm just in the den. All you have to do is yell at me. Yeah. I'm going to hear you. And just know that even though you can't see me, you knew that I was on the other side of that wall and you knew right where I was. And it's the same way with him in heaven. He's on the other side of the veil. I know right where he's at. I can reach out to him at any time. And he always hears me and he always responds. And he does so in some of the most fantastic, amazing ways that it's like, Wow. I mean, I just, I just know it. Could you share at least one of those fantastic, amazing ways? Oh, I have so many. Um, The other day, Sunday, I had all the kids over at the house and we had um, uh, granny ham or granny ham dinner. And that's what I'm calling it because when I do have grandchildren, I want them to come over once a month (laughs) at least. So I'm setting the the pattern now, you know, that this is what happens the first Sunday of every month. We go to granny ham's for, for dinner. So we had, and it was so much fun. We had such a good time and I could feel his presence there. I mean, literally feel his presence. So that night I was going to bed and I'm talking to him like I normally do at night. And I said, you know, send me a sign that you were actually there. I just want a sign because he loves to give me signs. So Mm -hmm. I love to ask for signs. So the image that I received in my mind was two feathers laying on the floor in my office by my office chair. And I was like, okay, I want to see how you're going to do this. And he continues to give me feathers. I find feathers Mm. in just crazy places. Okay, I'm going to wait and see what you do. So the next morning I got up and wouldn't you know, there was two feathers on the floor by my chair in a cross. Amazing. Position. Exactly the way I saw it in my mind's eye. And tears just, yeah, (laughs) you know, and I'm like, thank you. And then... A couple of weeks ago, I got back from the beach and I felt very distant from him for some reason. So I said, okay, honey, let me know you're here. I need to know you're here. So that night I was feeding the dogs and I went to the front door because I had some new dog food delivered while I was out of town. And I went to get it out of the box. And when I walked to the front door, laying on the floor by the box was a brand new feather. It wasn't one. Oh. I mean it was a feather in my house. (laughs) It was a big feather. I mean, it wasn't a little feather. It was a big one. And I'm like, that is so cool, honey. (laughs) So interestingly, I mean, I live in, you know, horse country, kind of farm country in Maine. And so we have a ton of turkeys and everything. And I see a fair number of feathers on a fairly regular basis. But yesterday I saw, so there were feathers everywhere yesterday everywhere, like just feathers everywhere. I'm like, oh, thank you, Chuck. <laughs> like, like he was sort of just like setting the stage for this because <laughs> I was, I noted like just that there were so many more feathers than usual. And there were like, um, and usually I find feathers like an individual, like, like one feather at a time, but there were a couple places where it was like two feathers together yesterday. Yeah. So I'm just wow. like, oh, that makes sense. Now I understand. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I mean, he, he loves to give signs and to, to be there. I mean, he fixed my yeah, refrigerator. You were saying that time. when we were talking before. Yeah. That still blows my mind how he did that. But I just he heard he did and- a better job <laughs> stateside, I mean, or heaven side than he would have if he tried to do it stateside. <laughs> He was always Mr. Fix-It. He loved to fix things. And uh, it's really funny because one of the things that we always did together was hang pictures. And Mm. he hated hanging pictures. But we would always hang pictures. And he hated it because I could literally eyeball it. And it's just perfectly perfect. He breaks out the ruler and the the little balancing thing. And, you know, and he's got a measure. And it was so, he was so specific about it. So after he passed, I bought some new photos and things. And mm-hmm, so we still mm-hmm. hang photos together mm-hmm. and there are pictures on the wall. And he's like, okay, we'll put, you know, put a mark here, put a mark there. And I'm like, honey, that's not going to be even. He's like, yes, it will. And I put the picture up and it's not even yeah. I'm like, I told you so. Yeah. <laughs> so, but um, yeah, he's still sending me signs and he wants people to know that life continues. He was so excited because the image that I received from him was after he passed, it was like everything that mm-hmm. weighed him down in the physical. He was so, when you met him in the physical, he felt very heavy and he carried a lot of weight because of the, the heaviness that he felt, I think. And when he transitioned, he left the, the heaviness behind and all he had was love. All there was was love. And he couldn't wait to tell me about it and to show me and to let me know that he was, he was okay, that he's still here. And even before we got, before we got on this, this podcast, I told him, I was like, okay, honey, we're, we're getting ready to go on. I was like, what do you want to talk about? He's like, just be quiet and you'll hear me. I'm like, like me, be quiet, whatever. (laughs) He's still here, but he hangs out on my, in my right ear. And he's mm-hmm. always been on my right side, even when we would go walking mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. In, uh, you know, in bed, he was always on the right side of the bed, no matter if we went to a hotel or whatever. It's like, we just always gravitated right, right. to the sides. And even now, sometimes I can feel him mm. grab my hand as, we're, as I'm walking, or I can feel hugs. The other day I got in the car and I don't mm-hmm. usually have the radio on. I get in the car because if I'm listening to anything, it's usually um, an audiobook or a podcast or something, but I hardly ever have the radio on. And when I got into the car, the car, when I turned the car on, the radio immediately came on and the song I Cross You Heart, I Cross My Heart by George Strait came on. Aww. And that was our song. And I started crying. I was like, I don't remember having the radio on. And he's like, You didn't. It's yeah. me. I'm like, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, He's done other other signs where I was leaving the, I had taken the dogs to go get groomed a couple of weeks ago. And this lady that I take the dogs to go get groomed at, I mean, I've known her for many years and I've been taking the dogs there for many years, but all of a sudden she just kind of looked at me and she's like, I don't know why I'm saying this, but you're absolutely beautiful. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, it was just like an right, odd thing for her right. to say. Your dog groomer. Yeah. 
Yeah. I'm like, okay, well, thank you. And so when I got into the car, I asked Chuck, I said, was that you saying that through her? And he says, you're still beautiful to me. And right then the radio came on once again, and there was a song on you're still beautiful to me. Oh my goodness. Wow. So it's like the synchronicities like that that happen, and it's it's confirmation for me that he's still wooing me from the from mm-hmm, heaven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the one thing that he told me is when he first passed, I you have to have time to grieve, grieve the past, and when you when you feel it coming up, feel the feels, grieve the past, but know that our relationship, if you want it to, can still continue. It's only Mm -hmm. different. And he's very true. I mean, I still have conversations with him. He he still is wooing me. (laughs) He sends me flowers, which is so cool. And and it's one thing that he couldn't do when he was in physical form because he was allergic to the flowers. So now he sends me flowers. when I see him in meditation, we are always meeting mm. in a wildflower garden. So I built a wildflower garden in my backyard underneath this big tree. And I have a bench there, a memorial bench, the Cunningham bench. And, um, sometimes I go out and just sit there and in the wildflowers and just yeah. be. Yeah. It's, really, it's really nice. And I'm asked sometimes, will you ever date or marry again? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I feel that if I do, it'll be somebody that absolutely well. And something that I've also experienced is that I think that when this dynamic is going on, it's really important to find a partner who understands that they are going to be in in a trinity. They're not going to be like there is like you're going to be in a relationship with both the living partner and also the deceased spouse. And like it takes a special kind of person who understands that that the beloved who's on the other side is not going to suddenly disappear, but that there's space for both people. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I, I mean, right now I can't actually see something like that happening, but you know, as, as he's told me, he's, he says, just be open. I'm like, you know, I'm open, but I like what's happening now. So, and I try to stay in the present moment as much as I can, because that's where he's at. When I start thinking of the past or I start thinking of, Oh my God, about the future, then I lose yes. touch with him. But it's when I'm in this present moment, when I'm working, talking with people about him, and I'm doing the things that make me joyful. And the one thing that I've, I've had since he's passed is an all-knowing mm. that I'm okay. Well, and I'm so glad that you've had that all-knowing that you're okay, because I think that That is one of the things that is so hard for people when they lose a loved one. And I think especially when you lose a spouse is like your entire reality just gets can get turned upside down. And it just, you know, as you were speaking about, I mean, it makes complete sense to me that, you know, you would not even be thinking about finding another partner right now. My experience 
as somebody witnessing this journey for a number of people is that like the first year you're just coming up against every single thing that you used to do together that now you are like reinventing yourself and doing on your own. One of my dear friends who also happened to live in Charlotte for quite a while after their spouse died, Mm -hmm. grocery shopping was one of the most difficult things because it was something that they did together and they did it as like a pleasurable event together. And so it was sort of like just going to the grocery store was difficult and like every single new thing was difficult. Then it but then the second year is like you're hitting the first milestones of everything and the first anniversary of everything. And at least what I've seen is that for most people it takes like upwards of 3 years to start feeling like some semblance of normalcy and like the new or experiencing what is the new normal. So yeah, and the one thing that he he does help me with is, is yeah. the grieving process. And, and he tells me that the one thing, there's not necessarily a missing, mm-hmm. like a, a feeling of missing when you're in the spirit realm. I mean, because there's all, it's just all love. But he's told me on many occasions that the one thing he, I guess, wishes, if that's the word for it, it doesn't quite pinpoint it, but is that he can mm-hmm. still touch me. Mm-hmm. You don't have physical touch in the spirit world. And that's one of the reasons why spirits incarnate is to have the experience of being separate and being able to touch and feel mm-hmm. and, and that sort of thing. So it's different for him yeah. as well, where he's at, you know, and where I'm at, because we can't actually physically mm-hmm. touch. But he helps me through the grieving process. And he has told me that he would help me anytime I needed it or wanted him to. And there was a one night a couple of weeks ago, I was one of my feel my feels moment and feeling sorry for myself again, because that still happens from time to time. And I heard very clearly, watch a funny movie. Yeah. Watch something to make you laugh. And I'm like, okay, so I'm scrolling through the TV and there's the movie oh, Dodgeball. Yes. Well, I never watched Dodgeball when he was alive because I thought it was stupid. I just hate uh, those It is a movies. stupid movie. Yes, but it's a really yes, sweet, and- stupid movie. Yes. And he told me, he's like, well, will you just watch it, please? And I'm like, okay, fine. So I went into it kicking and screaming. By the end of it, I am belly laughing. And he's like, now, don't you wish you would have watched it when I was here with you? I'm like, (laughs) whatever. (laughs) Whatever. I'm fine. And so, I mean, I was belly laughing and he was like, and it brought me out of the funk that I was in and brought me back to the present moment instead of hanging out in the memory of the past of when he passed, because sometimes I'll go there and it's like, my energy just immediately drops. But when I stay in this present moment, I really love this. Like I just, I really, this is something that feels so incredibly important to me is this acknowledgement of in order to be connected, I would imagine not just to, you know, our beloved dead, but also to spirit in general, 
we need to be in the present moment and not projecting into the past or I mean, actually, you know, sort of ruminating in the past or projecting into the future. I, I There's a saying, you know, when you've got one foot in the future and another foot in the past, you're basically, you're peeing on the present. <laughs> and, you know, it's, and I just think it's just such an important message for us that it's like all and to be here now to be in our hearts to be present with what is as opposed to all about the future all about the past yes it's and that's one of his biggest messages is live life to the fullest and be as much in the present moment as you can be because all literally that's all you have and that's why it's called the present because it's it's a, it's a gift it's a gift it is a us. gift Spirit, that's where they meet us is in the present. And the more that we can be as present as possible and make it a priority, then that's where we'll find them. That's where we'll see them. That's where we'll feel them. And and it's fun. And, and like when I have family over for dinner, I always light a candle and invite all of my loved ones from the other side to come join us and to be a part of because they're still family and they still want to be a part of and join the the festivities and and join and when we invite them in magical, magical things, things happen. happen yeah it's just magical and yeah. chuck has helped me to see that through his passing but and he he stays busy in in the in the afterlife he's working with other spirits and one of the things that he he loves to work with are um, those who have crossed over due to suicide or first responders, the um, military vets, that's where his his heart is, is because when we cross, we don't do it alone. We, we have spirits, loved ones that are there to support and guide us. But when we cross and our personalities on this side don't necessarily know or understand that they've crossed, it takes time for them to reorient their, their, their spirits on the other side. And he's there to help support and guide, uplift, and just be a loving presence for them mm-hmm. until they're ready to, to see and yeah, to be where yeah. they're at. Did and, he track down that childhood or that high school friend who committed suicide? Was he able to help their soul? Yes, he had already, um, when Chuck crossed, I believe he was there because he's told me, I can't remember what his name, what is his name? Stephen. I just heard Stephen in my head right before you said it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good Lord. You can't make this stuff up. Um, Yeah. And yes, so he's doing well. I mean, they all do. They all do. But for Chuck, it was so difficult because he felt he should have known. And the one thing that he was able to reconcile is that we all have our own journey. We all have our own path. The soul, our souls have a specific journey that they want to go on. And even if you attempt to commit suicide, or if the soul's not ready to leave this physical world, you're not going yes. to leave. And I have a friend who's now ex-husband survived a gunshot wound to the head like and the irony of it is that he basically ended up 
sort of lobotomizing himself. So he was actually happier after he had done that. But it's like, you know, I've absolutely seen this. I've seen this so many times that it's like, if it is meant to be your time, there isn't anything you're going to do to stop it. But if it is not meant to be your time, it's like even the most bizarre things can are going to are going to keep you here. Many years ago, I had when I was still in the tattooing industry, I had a woman who came to me who was a double breast cancer survivor, and had like beat the odds had gone through it. And then one day, she died very suddenly in a fluke car accident. And to me, it was this experience of if you're meant to go, like you're gonna go and just it's gonna happen. But if you're not, you won't. And I've absolutely seen this again and again. So we have our destinies. Yes. You know, and, and from what I know also in regards to the idea of suicide is that, and I know Chuck is already good with all of this, but for anybody who's sort of listening to this, you know, stateside here, the other piece of it is that people, a lot of times, especially when somebody's made the decision to step off, they, that relief will actually cause them to appear to be okay and doing much better. And so a lot of times I think people kind of stand down because the person seems like they've kind of rallied and gotten okay. And it can come as even more of a shock because you're like, wow, I thought the vigil could be let go of because they seemed like they'd gotten it together. But here they've stepped off. But my understanding is that sometimes people will actually like really appear to be doing much, much better before they leave because they have decided that they've made that decision that they're going to do that. Yes. And that I think was what happened with his friend and which is why Chuck didn't realize what was going on um, and didn't know. I'm getting chills as I'm saying that. So I, I, I think that that's what he's, he's trying to get across, but you know, life is, it's not easy. <laughs> we don't, this is not an easy incarnation live, you know, being, being human on this, on this planet, but it's so exciting when you can think of the experiences. And the one thing that I've learned that I've learned since Chuck has passed is not to be afraid to put myself out there and not to be afraid to just jump in and just do, because you know what? It, it doesn't, doesn't matter, matter anyway. anyway. <laughs> Even if I were to just die standing up there, giving a speech <laughs> or talking, I'm going to continue living anyway, just in a different form. So death, there is no death. It's just a transformation from one life to another. And it's going from one room, from the kitchen to the living room. He just, <laughs> I literally heard in my head before you said that, it's like walking from one room into another. And then you just said it like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's very, there's no pain in the process of it. There may be pain mm -hmm. leading up to it, depending on, you know, what's going on. But, uh, and the fact that we can still communicate and I've got family members who say they cannot hear from, from loved ones and they really wish they had those, those opportunities. And the one thing that Chuck has always told me, well, not always, but since he's crossed is, when we want something so bad, 
It means we're putting out in the universe that we're lacking that, that we're lacking what I want to see in my missing, I'm throwing lack out into, yes, the, the, into the universe. The word want literally means lack, literally means you don't have yes. it. And whenever we project into the want of something, we are essentially reinforcing the fact that it is not there. So yes, Chuck, like I've actually been, one of the things I've been teaching lately is eliminate the word want from your vocabulary. Yes. And so the way he's told me to reframe it is I welcome the opportunity to whatever. So I'm constantly saying, okay, Chuck, I welcome the opportunity to talk to you. I welcome the opportunity to see you. I welcome the opportunity to hear from you. I welcome signs. And that opens me up to so many other possibilities. And once again, it brings me back into the present moment. And so I was like, okay, you're pretty wise. Yeah, yeah. He's just, he's laughing. He's laughing now. He's like, of course well, I and am. The thing, it's, it's, you know, I was thinking in terms of the vocabulary for want, as you were saying, he wishes that he could touch you. And I'm like, that may be the one place where it would literally be appropriate to say that he wants to be able to touch you, that he wants for the ability to touch you, that that really is, you know, that would be a very appropriate place to use that word. I keep on hearing and getting this really strong sense of the message and the lesson about not taking life so seriously that from what you've been saying and what I'm sensing coming from him is that he took life very seriously and took a lot of things very seriously and kind of perseverated quite a bit and sort of ruminated and was constantly sort of trying to figure things out. And the sense that I just keep getting and I keep hearing is like, don't take it so seriously. You can waste an entire life worrying about shit that does not matter at all. And then you get to the other side and you're like, like, it's just the illusion of the burden of all this weight that was on. And it's just like, it's just completely, I let this stop me from living my life. I let this prevent me from feeling all this joy. And I just, I keep, it's like, life is too important to take seriously. Exactly. It's a very yeah. good point. It's meant, you're meant to be joyful. Yeah. And that's what we're here for. And that's, you know, we go through this awakening process. And when we incarnate, I I believe, you know, we sign up for going to sleep. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) And then eventually there's this awakening, this cocoon process that we come out of the the chrysalis and we start to, to flutter and, you know, spread our wings and it becomes joyful. Once we, we realize, Mm -hmm. you know, all this other crap over here really doesn't matter in one way or another, because it's all going to get taken care of anyway. You know, I'm not worried about how the bills are going to get paid or how we're going to eat next month or because if energy, if God source can provide for all of the birds and the animals out there, he's going to provide for me. And and when I do that and I let it go, opportunities open up. Well, and it's funny you're speaking about, you know, sort of God providing for everything and everyone. And I've been really thinking a lot about the word mana um, as opposed to, and within the Lord's prayer, give us this day our daily bread. I've actually been saying instead, give us this day our daily mana, because my understanding of mana is that it was the exact nourishment that we needed 
on a daily basis, but it went bad if you tried to preserve it, if you tried to carry it over to the next day, if you tried to store it. It was like it was like this offering that the divine gave us every single day. And as long as we trusted that the mana would show up and we'd have it available to us, we'd be groovy. But if you tried to hoard it or protect it or like put it in a leather pouch and carry it over to the next day, it turned to like goo or, you know, it was just it went rotten. And I just really like I love this idea of our needs get met on a daily basis if we trust that they're going to get met on a daily basis. And I mean, this is just a whole other conversation about how often are we leaving the present moment and the fact that we're here, we've got oxygen, we've got shelter, we've got food, we've got everything that we need. And we're fine in this very, very moment. We're alive, we're okay. But then we're sort of projecting because it's like, oh my God, I need to manifest X amount of dollars to pay the electric bill, or I have to do this, or I have to do that. And it just pulls us right out of the gift of the present moment and the truth that our needs are getting met. You, it's so spot on. Yes. because And that's the one gift that I've been given through this is I don't stress over anymore over, over what's going to happen in the future. I just trust. It's a knowing that's come over me that the money will be there. The, the food will be there. Uh, you know, I'm, I hear very clearly do this or do that in certain moments. And I'm like, okay, well, let's sit down and do it. I'm like, you know, like I heard this morning, do some yoga. All right. <laughs> We're going to do it, you know? And, and I'm like, but I have da, 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 that I have to get done today. How, you know, take 20 minutes, do yoga. So that's what I did. And awesome. the dogs do it with me. So yeah. Yeah. Yes. Buddy does, buddy does down dog yeah, a whole lot Yeah, that's why it's called downward dog. I mean, <laughs> there's a reason. I just looked at him. I was yeah. like, you show off. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, you're just showing off. So there's certain things that, that I hear to do. I have a choice whether to do them or not. But it's usually in the moment that I hear, go for a walk right now do this right now, or send an email to this person, or say this to that person, or... You know, I'll, I'll get an image of somebody, we'll call that person. And there's there's a reason behind it. But I firmly believe, I've learned since Chuck passed, life does not happen to us, but it happens for us. As long as we choose to stay in the present moment and allow the universe to right. bring to us what it is yeah. we need. Yes. Our I just really day. want to hold out, like, you're 15 months out from the loss of your loss is not the right word, but from the death of the, the, the physical death of the love of your life. And I know having been around a number of people who are grieving and witnessing the journey for different people, that this is a very tender period for many people. And it's also a period where it can be very, very easy to be stuck in the past and trying to work on the unreconciled things or projecting into the future, but just really, really gutted. And it's so clear in talking with you that you have this level of serenity and you have this level of trust and that you have this capacity to be like, oh, I need to come back into the moment. I need to come back into the moment. And I guess what I, what comes to my mind that I just really want to sort of hold up for the listeners is, you know, you guys, if Amy can be okay 
15 months after the love of her life died and she doesn't have him to carry the trash down the driveway because I keep on seeing the trash as the thing. Like I just keep seeing like the biggest drag is like you don't have somebody to help you with trash and recycling. But it's like if Amy can do this. After the loss of her beloved, yeah, he keeps on being like, it's not loss, it's not loss, it's not loss. But after the transition of her beloved, it's like, imagine all the things that we are giving way too much weight and way too much burden and way too much responsibility to that we just don't need to be carrying around. Yes. We take on a lot more crap than we not actually Way more crap. And it's interesting when we let it go. Um, our spirit guide team, our angels, the universe, whatever. I mean, they, it just magically gets taken care of, but I'm still, like, as a, like you said, I'm still waiting for him to figure out how to take the trash out because that was his job. And I always seem to forget, although he does remind me, he says, but I choose to not listen. It's funny. I just had this image of like those moments when you get a whiff like where you smell that kind of rotten smell, that's him basically saying, hey, take the trash out. <laughs> but, and then you're still just kind of like, yeah, right. Okay, fine. Whatever. <laughs> Somebody else deal with this. <laughs> I mean, and, and the other thing that was really difficult for me was um, learning to change out the air conditioning <gasps> vents. Oh, yes. Yes. Conditioning or yeah, totally, vent. totally, totally. I didn't know that that was even a thing to do because he right, always took right, care of right. it. I actually have to put it on my phone at the first of every month to change out the, the filters. Exactly. Yeah. The air, I knew exactly what you're talking about. The air conditioning filters. Yeah. And he'll remind me, honey, let's do it. It'll take you yeah. five minutes. Let's go. And I'm like, okay. And I hate getting on a, a ladder when there's nobody else here, but there's no way. Exactly. So I have to get on the ladder, but I just know he's there to catch me if I fall. And, I just uh, heard worst you case know. scenario, you'll be back with me sooner than we expected. I know, you know, so I'm like, you know, it's totally, yeah. totally fine with yeah. me. Well, well, but uh, yes, absolutely. Well, and you've got work to do. You've got other things to do. Yes. And he wants to write a book. So we're he in the process just showed of me the, like, I just, as like be right before you said it, I could see the book in front of my face and he's like, she's got a book. We've got a book to write. You know, she's got this really important book. Yeah, we got, we got things to do. So we've been, we've been working on this book and it's, it's been interesting to write the book because it's a novel. I'm writing it as a novel, a love story. And to make it a little easier for people to yes. relate to, I guess. Um, but it's his story that he's he's writing through me, and it's my story. I just turn it's your story too. Yes, it is my story as well. It's our it's our love story that continues on, and it's been going on for many lifetimes. And this lifetime is only a blip in the radar. I mean, it literally, it may seem like a long time for us, but it's actually just a really exactly. Big blip. You know, it's so when when you're able to free yourself from from the the heaviness of this earthly plane and allow yourself to just be in the present moment, things just miracles happen. Miracles happen. Yeah. Oh, what a rich and delicious conversation for this incredibly special time of year. Really, really 
appreciating this. I cannot, it, it truly is, I always say, I cannot believe it that we're at the top of the hour already. You know, we've just hit the 55 minute mark on this conversation and it has just yeah. flown by. It has just been so good to talk with both you and Chuck and really get get this opportunity. And I really hope that my listeners and that people who are hearing this, this are really getting a sense of the light, the possibility, the joy, the hopefulness, the being here now in this present moment that you and Chuck are sort of here to share. I think that's our a mission in life is one to to love each other and two to be able to uh, share that love with everyone else and to let people know that there no is death. no death. Just another room. So I'm going to ask you, um, but first I'm going to ask Chuck if you know, sort of like, what is the most important thing? You've got the platform. You got it. You asked for it. I'm giving it to you. What is the most important thing that you want to be sure everybody who's listening to this podcast hears? Love. Love. I'm hearing. Love. Because like in the movie Ghost, when Patrick Swayze was, was crossing over and he said it was the most interesting thing that all the love that you feel inside you take that with you and you do. That is probably the, the biggest message is love, love, love every day. Love everybody that you come in contact with. Love every family member. Forgive those that you feel you have wronged or have wronged you because in the essence, it really doesn't matter. Just love because when we, when we cross, when we transition, that's all that we take with us. We don't take the money with us. We don't take the house with us or the cars or any any of that accumulated stuff. We only take the love. So every day, find ways to love. Mm. Every day, you guys, every day, find ways to love. I had the experience. I had this very, very dear little black pug named Baba. And he was just a love battery. He was just this love machine. And for years, he would just like cozy into my body and just generate this amazing amount of love. But I would also just give him an incredible amount of love. And right as when he crossed over, it felt like all of the love that he and I had exchanged for that entire time just flooded my entire system. And so... I think that not only does the love carry us over to the other side, but it also kind of gets released into the world when we cross as well. And just what a message, like, if there's one thing you can choose to do every single day, it's love. Like, that's our job here. And when you love like that, your light shines bright. And you may be the one light in somebody's darkness yeah. that draws them and home. And keeps them passing the open windows. Because in the darkness is where we see the light. And my darkness was when my husband crossed unexpectedly. But through that, I've learned to shine my light. And it's so, because he loves me. 
I have two questions for you, Amy. Um, one is because we are coming to the top, we've come to the top of the hour and we're coming to the end of this amazing conversation and time together. So two things. What is your most important, like if there's anything else that feels really important that you want to be sure is heard from you? And then also, how can people get in touch with you? I think the most important thing I will piggyback on Chuck's statement is love, 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 love. love. Um, And be open, be open to what spirit wants to give us and let it go. Mm, such a powerful powerful message and how do people get in touch with you how can we find you uh, my website i have two websites the first one is amy gray cunningham and that's g-r-a-y like mm-hmm. the color dot uh, com and then also butterfly kisses podcast yes yes which is how you and i connected in the first place because to be a guest on your show yes yeah, yeah. yeah. I know. I'm so excited for that. And yeah, in social media, it's all Amy Gray Cunningham for the most part, except for Twitter. I think it's Amy Cunningham one. (laughs) You know, you can change your name on Twitter. Yes, very easily, actually. At least you used to be able to change your name on Twitter very easily. So I've gone through a couple iterations on Twitter. And uh, finally, like after like a a number of different iterations, finally decided I was going to stick with Empathic Mastery. But, you know, I've had a couple different Twitter names and it doesn't change your account. It just the only thing is that um, if somebody goes to the old Twitter handle, they won't find you. So but all of your posts and everything will carry over into. Yeah. So just FYI, you know, not that this has anything to do with the message and the lesson from today. Amy and Chuck, thank you both so much for being here with me, for having this remarkable conversation and just for reminding us what's what. That that the takeaways I'm getting from this is like, love is the bottom line, most important thing of all with everything. And being in the present moment, not stuck in the past or projecting into the future, but just like be here now and love. Like that strikes me as like the core of the message right now. Be here now and love. Yeah. Without a doubt, that is the message. But thank you thank so you. much for letting me and Chuck be on today. Oh, I've been so excited about having the opportunity to record this interview. I just, as soon as we connected, I was like, oh. I have to bring them on here and have this conversation. And this has just been so delicious. So it's just been so soul nourishing. I just feel I feel so fed. So thank you both. And I hope everybody who is listening is also feeling fed by this conversation. As we come to the end of this episode, I'd love to hear what you're taking from this show. Please jump over to EmpathicMasteryShow.com to leave your comments. In the show notes, you'll find a link to grab your copy of My Empathic Safety Guide, Three Basics for Finding Calm in the Eye of the Storm. And while you're there, please subscribe and follow this show. And thank you for your help sharing this show with the people who need it. Please help me to spread the word and send this podcast to friends or family members who need support living as highly sensitive empathic people. Then join me again when the next Empathic Mastery Show airs. Okay, one last time. Hop over to EmpathicMasteryShow.com for your empathic safety guide. And until next show, shine on. 
We need you and your gifts here on this planet. So please, don't judge your empathic rainbow by colorblind standards.